faithful guy? He answered the call. Um, around here, if you say, I'd love to serve, you can get three jobs really, really fast. And uh, no, he's, a, he's a, a man of faith, integrity, consistency. I mean, you can talk about seeing an attribute in somebody, consistency, and just boom, 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 stamping it out in faith, and that's pretty cool. He did leave one thing out. He said, confess that you're pure and zealous. He didn't say, confess that you're peculiar. That was in the word, so all of you are peculiar, okay? Say, I am peculiar. Okay, I'll confirm that by standing, I can see it. So a few announcements before we start tonight. I did misspeak. Uh, Pastor Greg is out of town at a minister's conference, getting fed, worshiping, uh, spending time with other fellow ministers. That's such great time. And Miss Glenna did not go with him this time. They had some family things, nothing, nothing bad, nothing to be concerned about, but... She stayed here. She might even be here tonight, uh, so she didn't go. He does miss her. There she is in the back. Uh, so she's sitting back there tonight to write a report on all of us. So, Miss Glenna, we're going to write a report on you and get it to Pastor first. But, uh, she's with us tonight, so glad to see you tonight. But Pastor's down in Louisiana, I believe, uh, feeding on the Word. He did say he misses everybody. He's eager to come back. And you know when he goes into these conferences, he comes back loaded. Now, he's been loaded already, loaded in a good way, right? Now he's coming back just supercharged. And so we need to match him with our faith and expectation when he gets back. Let's match him. Let's make him work hard Sunday when he gets up here. Uh, work hard in faith, of course. A few announcements, so we won't do this at the end. Uh, September 17th, which I think is this Friday. Saturday. Saturday. Close enough. Saturday, uh, there's going to be the overview of Joshua through Kings. Brother Kevin is teaching this. I don't know if Brother Kevin is super smart or smarter than us, but he's really good at it. And uh, he knows his Bible. He knows, knows it all. I'm really, really good anointed minister. Uh, today is the last day to sign up, so if you're eager for that, please do so. There's things out on the table where you can sign up. Uh, Sunday, September the 18th, following the service, the baby shower, there is a baby shower for the Cornwells. They're here tonight. There he is right there. At least part of them are here tonight. We want to bless them. September 22nd, uh, which is a Thursday at 7 p.m., we're having a minister's class. So if you've been in it or you've been interested, come, come join that at 7 o'clock. It's really good, uh, especially with what pastor's teaching now. September 24th, we have a men's meeting at... All right. At, I think it's 10.30, right, Brother Jack? Not 9 o'clock. We'll get the time straight. We're going to have a second annual cornhole tournament. Cornwell won cornhole last time, and so we're going to see that he does not win again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then the last announcement, uh, there will be more Sunday. We'll have it up. We'll have more information. Our bus, thanks to Brother TJ in the back and a few others, are getting our bus up and running. Right now we have a rental van uh, be, trying to work that LU circuit in. Um, we're going to take the kids to King's Dominion Saturday, right? Oh, I see some happy faces uh, with our rental van, but our church bus will be up and running pretty soon. And we're going to need some drivers and CDL drivers. So if you have a CDL, please see Ms. Tawana Markham in the back, church office. If you don't know Tawana, just go to the church office. We do need drivers. LU and other things. Uh, in the church, if you don't have a CDL but you're interested, this is not an every week or even an every month thing, uh, but if you're interested, the church will pay for the process. 
will encourage you through the process, and um, it'll be a good thing. We're going to do great things with that part of our ministry. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's get into the ministry of the Word. It's a privilege to be able to do this. Um, Brother John Routon, this past Sunday, did he not deliver? Yeah. I'm getting the signal. All kids are released. All you adults are not released. Even if you feel like being released, you're not released. Praise the Lord. Did he not deliver the word? Yeah. Amen. You know, it's kind of that uh, he got out the precision instruments and worked on us. Pastor's been working on us. Brother Mike Manuel's been working on us. And uh, so it's, it's the word that's coming through here is so great and so awesome. And it takes integrity and consistency over the years and faithfulness uh, to create an environment where the word can just flow at the level that it's flowing. And so testament to our pastor's leadership in that area. So what I'm going to teach on is to stay kind of in the lane uh, as an ingredient to what pastor's been teaching and what Brother Routon brought to the table I'm not going to depart from it, but I'm going to bring an ingredient to that that hopefully will help out some. And the title of kind of what we're going to talk, to, talk about today is, Who Am I? Uh, I'm not going to go maybe where you think I'll go. We're going to talk about identity today, uh, our identity in Christ. Who are we really? Because without that, how do we know how to stand? How do we know how to deal with things and march through life? How do we have the authority and exercise the faith we need to exercise if we don't know who we are? There's a lot of, lot of confusion out there right now about identity and who we are. I'm not going to go there, but uh, where I am going to go is talk a little bit about who are we in Christ and how do we apply that every day. All right? That sounds fine. So I'm going to do, if I'm going to start, if you picture an airplane coming down to the runway, we're going to start at 50,000 feet and try to lay, lay it right down on the runway. We're going to go through some layers of things and give you homework. Uh, you don't have to report back, but you will have to report to the master himself, so uh, you can do the homework if you want or not, uh, but it'll be some practical things to maybe work on the next few days and see what results it gives you. It's kind of how I approach things. There are really only two identities that exist out there, those who know God and those who do not know God. There's no confusion in that, all right? Now, when we are confused about that, then a lot of other confusion can set in. But we know as believers, there's only, only two ways. You go to heaven and spend eternity with God, or you go to hell and you don't spend eternity with God. And that's a bad place to go. Praise the Lord. It's not a pleasant sounding thing, but it's just the truth. There's only two ways. You know, identity is a big thing. Think about identity theft. The billions spent every year to protect against it and that which is stolen. Think about that, the, the amount of resources and focus on that. Look at your passports, right? Identity is important. If you go out of the country and try to get back in and lost your passport, it's a bad day. Praise the Lord. That's happened to me before, and I thought I'd never see you again. Uh, think about your licenses and things like that you need. You have to prove this and prove that. If you ever want a lesson in identity process, go to the DMV, Right? So if you want to get a CDL, which I've just found out, you have to take so many forms of ID, more than you actually have. You have to verify this and verify that, and you don't know who you are by the time you submit all that paperwork. <laughs> but it's important to them. Uh, if you're in the technology world, two-factor authentication, you know, those things. It's like, can I ever get to what I want to do? 
but the reason there is the protection. Things are get, getting pretty wild out there. All the things that we have nowadays require credentials. If I go into Brother Mike's bank tomorrow and say, I know Brother, Brother Mike, and that's good enough, I'd like to take all his money out, I would, they would get to me before he does, but uh, I wouldn't get the money out, right? You have to have credentials everywhere you look. Uh, I had, I'll just give you an example. I had the Christmas Eve last year, and I did, I have the credit lock things and all that, you know, you hit the apps and services that help you protect all that. But I had left my lock, I had unlocked it just so I could get a new cell phone. I couldn't get a cell phone until I unlocked my credit report. I did it and forgot to lock it back. And just in a matter of a couple days, somebody stole my identity, right? I wish they had stole some of my bad identity, <laughs> but they took a lot of it here. And what I found out is I did get a call because I locked it back, and I got a call from the service and said, hey, somebody's taken out a personal loan, government loan, in your name. Did you know that? I said, no idea whatsoever. So on Christmas Eve, guess what? Nothing's open. Uh, that was part of the plan of the identity thief. They knew that if they did it on that day and got it submitted, that the government would be closed till after the first of the year. And the process for the particular loan they took out only takes about five days. Well-planned, well decept, deceptive, deceptive plan, uh, but intentful and purposeful, uh, much like the devil does everything. He's deliberate. He's not willy-nilly, you know, let's see what happens. He can outsmart us a lot of times when it comes to these things. And this is just a natural example, but what we're going to build up to is a spiritual example of stolen identity and then our proper identity and authority we have over it. So to close it out, I'll give you testimony. Lord, help me out. I actually got a hold of somebody in the government on New Year's Eve. There was a government, somebody working at, uh, at this. It was a small business loan. Uh, they took it out in my name but used my business credentials to mirror the two. And so they could get this pretty sizable loan that I would have never known about until they came to lock me up for not paying. Uh, they were able to, you know, so that's how they got there. But as a testimony, I got somebody that caught it one day before they were going to approve it and locked it down. That's the blood of Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. And I took authority. So I think it's part of the lessons, lesson today. I didn't do it all perfectly. I can tell you when I got it on uh, news, uh, I was, I'm a man of faith, but I was also uh, displaying some panic. Uh, I was angry. Good thing I didn't have a hand grenade in that person in front of me. I was not happy. Uh, but anyway, it wasn't my best showing, but, uh, but nonetheless, put the word on it. Our tither's rights on it. Those, that's which is our identity. As I'm a tither. That's my identity. So it comes with rights. And uh, at the end of the day, it all got cleaned up. All right. Praise the Lord. But the point, kind of the point leading to the next couple points is identity is a big deal. If it wasn't, people wouldn't be trying to steal yours. They wouldn't be manipulating the system, and there wouldn't be all this attention on it. But it's not a new concept, okay? Identity theft, where did this begin? In the Garden of Eden, exactly. This is nothing new, which is good in one sense. It is a playbook that's been out there for thousands and thousands and longer, however, however many years, a playbook that's been out there. And there's also been a playbook written for us, to win every time. Praise the Lord. The devil is an identity thief. And we're not talking about credit locks anymore. We're talking about who we are in Christ. John 10.10. 10. We're very familiar. If we've read the Bible, we're very familiar with that scripture. What does the thief come to do? Steal, kill, 
and destroy. Not good things, right? Think about Adam and Eve when they, when they, they fell. That sounded nice. What was that? Uh, when they fell there was to, and they sinned, what was the very first thing they did? They hid, right? Why did they hide? They lost their identity. They forgot who they were. What did they go do? As silly as it sounded, they went and sewed fig leaves together. I mean, not all that. Can you? I, let's don't picture that. But a fig leaf suit, you know, fig shoes, fig hat, all that stuff, right? The first thing they did is they went and covered up, right? They hid. They went and covered up. They not. They didn't run to God. They ran from God. And you think about it, the very moment before that sin, they were wide open to God. They communed with him in a way uh, that we'll get to experience one day. Now, we have the Lord living on the inside of us. You can't get any closer than that. That's our identity. We can't feel it or see it all the time, but that's who we are. But in a sense, they were closer to God than, than we are in, in the sense of they walked with him, they talked with him. Uh, the intellect and, and diversity of Adam and Eve's intellect and ability was so much, so, I mean, hard to describe. I'm not smart enough to describe half of it, all right? Um, they were that close and open to God. In the very moment after sin, they forgot who they were, ran from God, hid, sewed fig leaves together, and that's now what their new identity was. And we're living that identity today, to some degree. We're fighting against it. We're, we're in Christ we are not that identity, but it is in the, in the flesh something that pulls at us and tries to distract us. Jesus had to find his identity in ministry. Well, it's identity, period, but identity in ministry. You know, he's, he was all God and all man. He came to be our substitute, not a covering for us, not a, not a partial pass for us, but he had to become like us so he could substitute in, at 100% for us. So he had to come, and he had to find himself in the Word of God, just where we have to find ourselves. If Jesus had to do it, you and I have to do it, and even more so. Praise the Lord. Let's look, look at uh, Luke uh, 4, 16 through 21. Praise the Lord. So Jesus replied with this story, a man, uh, yep, is that the right one? A great feast through a field. Hold on one second. I think I wrote the wrong one down. Anyway, let's go to uh, Isaiah 61. It's really where, where he... he um, will you forgive me for writing the wrong thing down? What's that? Yeah, Luke 4. Yeah, you're right. I have Luke 4 here. I think I sent Luke 14. So sorry about that. If you saw my handwriting, you'd forgive me. Yeah, if we could go to, let's go to Luke 4. I'll read that. You don't have to put that on the screen. But this is out of, he, what Jesus did, he went up in the synagogue and he read really out of Isaiah 61. This is Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. I think he spiked the football, right? He just spiked the scroll. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began 
to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. He announced his identity. He found it, and then he announced his identity at that point, which launched him uh, out into the ministry that the Lord had called him to do. Praise the Lord. So what's our, our basis for our identity? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's, let's go over there. I know iPads and things are like what everybody uses now, but I just cannot read out of one of those things. It, all, it goes blurry on me. But I like the old-fashioned one. Just go with like number three font, which is even better, you know? So this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creature. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So you, not only are, uh, uh, are you peculiar... You're now a creature, a new creature, all right? We're going in the right place with this. We're something new. We're not what we are. We have a different name, a diff different identity. You look in the, throughout the Bible, when the Lord got a hold of somebody, their names changed, right? Why did their names change? Because they no longer could be identified by who they were. They were new. And if their names had stayed the same, they would have continued to identify with that old name. The Lord kind of knows what he's doing. Uh, reading down to verse, keep on scrolling, we'll get to verse 21. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us his task, of given us his, this task of reconciling people to him. Uh, skip down to 21. We'll just go there. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So we're a new creature, new creature, and we are right with God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I like to tell myself more so than that, because that's a, a good uh, religious badge just to walk around. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It's good to say that, but say I am right with God is a hard thing for us Christians to swallow sometimes, but it's absolutely the truth. The fact that I sin and goof up and make bad decisions and do wrong things, have the wrong attitude, does not change that in Christ I'm right with God. It doesn't change that. Praise the Lord. And then Genesis 1.26. Let's flip over, to, over there. Praise the Lord. Then God said, let us make, make human or man, uh, human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the sea, the birds, and so forth. Make them in our image, in our likeness. That's pretty good. That's, he's talking about us, you know that. To be made in his likeness. We're the only ones, not animals, not other things, uh, not your pickup truck. The only thing in here that is made like in his image and in his likeness are us, human beings. In his image. What does that look like? Do I look like his image every day? In his likeness, do I say what he says? Do I act like he acts? Do I create like he creates? Do I stand up and fight the good fight of faith? You know, he whipped the devil. It wasn't a dance fight. I mean, it was a, a good old stomping. But God, it was a fight. And the devil lost. Amen? And we were made in God's image and likeness, and so we win too, if we're on that side of one of the two identities that really exist. So here's some examples of how people get identified. Hopefully we can start having a little fun here before everybody leaves on me. 
Think about the royal family. Uh, anybody watching the royal stuff? Well, you've got to have more fun than this. You've got to watch some of that stuff. You watch CNN and then Fox News, and they have all different views of the royal family. I don't know how you do that. But uh, anyway, here's an identification. The royal family. I like history and all that stuff, so that's kind of why I pay attention to it. I'm not into all the drama. But the royal family is so important. Do you know the queen's flight from wherever she was to the current place was the most tracked flight in history across the globe? Why? Is it kind of fascinating, right, to see, see all this pomp and circumstance? Uh, but it's very important. There's an identity that goes with the royal family. I mean, we could easily say they're just ordinary people that live in 17 different really big houses, you know, have all the privileges they want. They dress nice. Uh, have funny teeth and get their hair done every day. You know, you could say that. You know, they're just privileged. But they come with a very specific identity. The country, I had, I spent time over in London and things like it. just fascinating, uh, things we don't have here. But that, actually, the royal family, the monarchy, is a bit the identity of that country and that region, the United Kingdom. We, you hear on things where they say, well, we need to just, you know, do away. That's old school. It's their largest revenue source for that entire region, is the identity of the monarchy. It's just a lot of national pride in that, right? And even we feel it somehow. We, I feel like I belong to the queen, too, you know. I wanna, I'm going to wear my um, Union Jack suit tomorrow uh, to, to, uh, to celebrate. But praise the Lord. You know, you think about the history, the afternoon tea, the cookies, the biscuits, and the queen, right? Uh, let's go on to another example, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Do, do you, we remember that story if we read it, you know, the, the younger son. So the dad was going to, you know, divvy up the inheritance and bless him. And he did and sent him out. And the older son stayed and did, did the honorable thing. The younger son took his money and blew it on everything unimaginable and things we won't discuss here. Uh, finally realized when things turned down, when there was a famine, uh, that you know, things turn down and don't work for you, you run out of money, uh, you begin to lose your sense of identity <laughs> and good feeling. And he finally came to his senses and said, man, this is messed up. Uh, I'm, he was now like cleaning out the pig sty and all that thing, you know, just terrible. He was, a, you know, an affluent, an affluent family, a well-known, powerful family, and now he's cleaning out the pen of pigs. And so he said, but hey, this is no way to live. I can't make it like this. I'm going to go back and just say, I'm not worthy. You know, just take me in. I'll clean the pens here too. Uh, sorry, Dad, I did this. This is terrible. And yet the story goes, he comes back, and his father sees him coming. Amen. He saw him coming from a distance. And it wasn't, there wasn't one thought in that father's mind, I'm going to remind him of everything he's done wrong, who he no longer is. What did he do? I, I bet that guy jumped higher than he's ever jumped before. That old man probably ran faster than he's ever run before. What did he do? Prepare a feast. He got the whole farm together and said, prepare a feast. Go get the robe. And the robe was significant in those times and that the robe and the rings were, put a ring on them, get a robe. They were signs of identity to that family and status in society. And so he didn't think twice about any of that low stuff. In fact, when his son started the, you know, Woe, woe is me type of stuff. He basically smacked him in the head, threw his robe on, his ring on, and said, let's go have a feast. Praise God. He left with that identity. He never actually lost that identity. He gave that identity away. 
And his father never saw him any differently. They didn't like what he did, and I'm sure would have liked to lecture him, but he was so excited his son had come back. You look in the, leper, uh, the story of the lepers in Luke 17, and if we could go there, Luke 17. Praise the Lord. We're moving right along. All right, uh, 1714. He looked at them and said, go throw yourself, or show, throw yourself, show yourselves to the priest. I can't see like the first word on the screen, so pardon me in my mispronunciation. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Next verse. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back uh, to Jesus shouting, praise God, I'm healed. Next verse. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking for what he had done. This was a Samaritan man, not a Jew. And you know, I don't know if the rest, I think the rest may have been Jewish men, but it's important. It was, Samaritan. it was a guy who didn't really know God. And the point here is, uh, he came running back. He was the only one that came running back. All ten of them got healed. They were healed of their leprosy or sickness, whatever that was. But the one guy that was furthest away from God by birthright, he was changed. He got a new identity. All ten got healed. One person got absolutely changed, became a new creature, became the right, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and was the one that came back and praised God. His identity had changed. Uh, there was the lame man at the pool, the pool of Bethesda, where you, they came and dunked in the pool, and when the bubbles came up, they got healed and things like that. Uh, in John chapter 5, it's throughout the New Testament. Uh, but he was in that condition for 38 years. Now, after 38 years, you begin to see yourself a certain way. Amen? And maybe he wasn't before that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I missed a part of the story. But nonetheless, after 38 years... You, be, you can begin to get a picture that never goes away. But on day 38 years and one day, when he met up with Jesus, his identity was changed. People for 38 years saw him as a lame man that couldn't walk or whatever other conditions he had. But on the, first, the day after year 38, uh, or he saw himself that way too, that very next day he had changed. He was up and running and shouting and praising God. His identity had changed. The woman with the issue of blood, how many years? 12 years, right? She dealt with that for 12 years. Three months is a long time on a lot of things, right? Think about the things we deal with. Three months is not a long time, but it can feel like a long time. Can you imagine 12 years and 38 years? And some of us are, you know, either believing for something for a long time or dealing with something for a long time. We're not alone. We're not the first, we do have a different identity, and we can get to that. When Jesus, had, when they had gone through that, and she came back, who touched me? And she said, it was me in front of that whole crowd. What did he say to her? Woman, did, did he say, woman with the issue of blood? What did he say? Daughter of Abraham. Do you know what it means to be a daughter of Abraham? He didn't see her as a woman with an issue of blood. A daughter of Abraham is the highest status you can have in the kingdom of God, the blessing of the Lord. That was something else. That was a robe and a big ring. It got you somewhere. It meant something in society. She no longer had the identity that she came to him with. She left as the daughter of Abraham. Consequently, she was the daughter of Abraham prior to all that. She just didn't know it. Amen? And then Bartimaeus. That's a cool name, you know? I'm going I'm to... I should have named Gabe Bartimaeus. 
But is Bartimaeus, do you think of Bartimaeus as, what, when we talk about him, what do we, what's the, what do we say? Let's go read the story of what? Blind Bartimaeus. He's been, he's been able to see a lot longer than he was blind. And we still call him Blind Bartimaeus. Identity is, is such, a, such an important thing. You know, when we get to heaven and somebody, one of us says, hey, Blind Bartimaeus, he's going to knock one of us out. <laughs> he can see better than anybody in this room. And he has been forever. When, that, when he, he received sight, was he, did he, he may have been thinking, oh, well, you know, am I blind? He wasn't thinking I'm blind Bartimaeus. He's thinking I'm seeing Bartimaeus. Everybody around him was probably thinking, hey, did you hear what happened to blind Bartimaeus? No, Bartimaeus is not blind anymore. Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's move on. Everybody good? So my identity, our identity in Christ is the basis for the power, application, and operation of our faith. I'm not going to go there, but I would encourage you, Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. I'm going to use healing as an example to kind of round out the, the lesson for tonight in our remaining minute, minutes. Get this book. It's not an easy read. It's not a fast read. But if you camp out on some of this stuff, it'll take you to a whole new level. It took me to a whole new level. I had to go to boot camp personally this summer on the Word. I had to build my faith and go to a whole new level. I dealt with some health stuff this summer that I've never had to deal with before. Uh, and I'll explain it to you in a minute. But anyway, the most important thing in here, what revelation I had to get a hold of, was in uh, our salvation package. We typically think, hey, I'm going to heaven. If I get saved, I make Jesus my Lord, I'm going to heaven. And that's absolutely the truth. But what came with that was all the redemptive names, power, and attributes of God. It wasn't just going to heaven. With that came his seven redemptive names. I'm not going to go through all of them because I probably can't remember all of them. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Jireh, Sit Canoe, Raha. Brother Doug can finish the rest. Uh, the, the point here is, when, I got, when you and I got saved, it came with that. It came with God our healer. That became now a part of my identity. Does God, if you know Jesus, does God live on the inside of you? Then the redemptive nature of God lives on the side of you. It's not on the outside. Trying to work in. It's on the inside of us. Praise the Lord. I'm sure you're curious about my little health issue, but uh, so for the gossip columns, no, it's actually kind of boring, but it, uh, it really took, it, it took uh, quite a bit of work, and I, I'll get that in a second. So let's talk about health and healing identity. Healing isn't, so healing isn't a side salad, all right? It's part of the main course. Provision isn't a side salad. It's part of our identity. It's who we are. You don't order it separately. It came with salvation. I don't get my healing. I've been given my healing. All right? I'm using healing as an example, but apply it to anything. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting a medical diagnosis. Sometimes we have to. The healing process of God may come in different forms in different ways, maybe in different periods of time. A lot of it is dependent on us. Uh, but at the root of it is we have a healed identity. All right? So let's don't mistake some of it. Don't let medical diagnoses, how long things take or how short things take, what so-and-so over here happened to them versus happened to me. Let's say we had the same thing and it took me two more years. That's not our identity. That's just the process that either has or hasn't happened yet. We're both healed if we believe we're healed. Praise the Lord. Whose report do you believe? You remember the spies? They saw the exact same thing. They just saw it differently. Amen? One saw it as, as uh, uh, the nation of Israel, as uh, covenant people, and the other saw it as non-covenant people. And they were scared out of their socks. 
So my, my health example, and I had to learn this because I was looking at this as a side salad. I said, oh, I knew that God uh, healed me, uh, but I really, really didn't believe it was on that, the big plate, you know, where the steak is and the potatoes are. It was kind of over here, you know, that side salad you ignore until you need it or until you get fussed at for not eating it first, that type of thing. I hit some health things this, this summer that took me down quite a few times. Between I had had COVID over the past couple of years a few times with all the travel, took the vaccinations, I got bit by a tick. All those things together threw my immune system upside down to the point where I couldn't use my hands, I'd sweat late at night, I couldn't sleep, uh, just crazy stuff. Uh, and so I had to go, I had to go to battle. And I like, something was missing, so I, I sat down and, and just wanted, wanted you to know that because some of you may be dealing with something like that or maybe more severe or less severe. Um, but I'm healed, right? I'm healed. I was healed the day that I realized I was healed and I made a choice to be healed. And that was when my hands were so swollen and locked up that, I mean, tears in my eyes. I've been I'm not much of a crier, but it was so miserable uh, day in and day out through the night with hives and different things. And you go to the doctors and the diagnosis you get after all that is, we're not sure what it is, but it could be, right? And you go through all that at some point, and I, and I wasn't looking at them to heal me or diagnose it or fix it, but that's a part of it. These are smart professionals, and, you know, God's given them ability, so learn some things through there. But I wasn't looking at them as healer. I had to develop in, and I, before the summer I was not here, I had to develop in the fact that healing is a part of who I am. And through that, then the manifestation of it came. Amen? It took three months, four months. You know, there's times when I wake up and think, oh, did it come back? Well, that's what the devil's going to do to you. The thing I got to do is say, no, I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus, walk in my healing. Praise the Lord. So how about in the remaining few minutes, we go over a some homework, all right? I did my homework, so I can dump it on you now. There's always more work to do in our faith. We never hit a plot space where we coast or we're done. If we, do, if we do, we're done. All right? So feel comforted in the fact that if you're breathing, you have work to do. All right? That's a good thing. The work I have to do requires, or at least knowing what my identity is, I have to know the promise. What is the promise? What does the word say? All right? I have to know that. And I can't just read it once. I've got to live it. I've got to stay in, stay in front of it. I've got to find who I am and my identity in the word of God. What does it say about me? You know, counsel's okay, having friends and family, all that's okay, uh, but it's gotta be wise counsel. It's gotta be counsel that has revelation, and they gotta be full of the Holy Ghost. Don't just go to anybody asking for advice. Don't go to any Christian asking for advice. And if you really wanna get messed up, ask a family member. You know, it's kinda funny, but it's true. Right? We're in a good fight of faith. they got to be wise. You know, you know the deal. But at the root of it, this summer, and Pastor Greg had a similar testimony you know, months back. I didn't say anything. I didn't, actually didn't tell him right away. Uh, what I, it was hard. Uh, getting through every day was hard for a while. But I realized at that point I had to find out who I was and stand on it. And mama and daddy and wife and children and you couldn't be there to help me get, you couldn't do that for me, is I guess what I'm trying to say. I had to do it. And I got there. It took me a while, but I got there. You have to do that too. 
So number one, uh, actions. Find our identification in the word. So if you go in like Deuteronomy 28, verses 7 and 13 are some ones I have. Uh, he'll send the enemies in different directions. My identity is I'm protected. I live in a protected class within the word. He'll protect me from that. I don't have to fight or worry about that. I'm the head and not the tail. Do you ever feel like the tail? I know you do, right? Don't look like it, but I know you feel like it. Are you going to be the head or not the tail? What came with the redemption that Jesus paid the price for you and I? Here's a good one. This is not something I've ever been good at, but I've worked at it and I'm making progress. Sleep is a part of my identity. I'm just giving you a few examples of a thousand, all right? Sleep. Proverbs 3.24. I'll lie down and not be afraid. I'll lie down and have a sweet sleep. I confess that every night. I'm not a sleeper. And it's not because I, you know, sometimes I've been worried. Worried will keep you up. Anxiety will keep you up. You know, the wrong food will keep you up. Uh, sickness or something will keep you up. Or it's just in your nature, you're just not a big sleeper and you like to get moving and things like that. That's been mine until this last summer and it was dealing with the sickness thing. And I had to say that. I had to go to, go to sleep in faith because there wasn't another medication I could take other than something that completely knocked me out, and I refused to do that. Uh, I, had, I had to go to sleep by faith. I had to know that that belonged to me. Number two, adjust our words to align with these identifiers. So what do we identify with? This is where it goes off the rails, all right? Our identity is established and activated by our words, what we say, right? So if I look in the mirror, what am I telling myself? Am I telling myself what the promise says? Or Can you hear me still? battery thing. Uh, what am I telling myself? Our words can also have our identity stolen from us, all right? So you think about it. How, how many times do we go up to, like, uh, Brother Doug and I say, well, there's Brother Doug, well, Brother Doug, right? Blind Bartimaeus, there's seeing Bartimaeus. How are you doing? Are you seeing well today, Bartimaeus? We identify with other things. Think about that. Or worry and anxiety and things like that. We ought to try this and see how funny it sounds. You know, uh, you know here, comes so, here comes well so-and-so, healthy so-and-so, right? Instead, our conversations sometimes, our major, a majority of our conversations center around maybe what's going on or, or the, the opposite side of that. In our words, idle words, we, we learned in the Bible about what idle words do or corrupt communication. We kind of zero in on corrupt communication but we don't like to zero in on idle words. You know, the wrong words or not fruitful words or productive words. Just like endless chatter, but not faith chatter. Not faith, faith words. Number three, adjust our actions to align with these things we identify with. We are representatives of Christ. That's our identity too. We represent him. And these are from non-griping, credible sources of people who worked in the restaurant industry, waiting tables. The worst day to wait tables is Sunday afternoon after church. Demanding, not nice, tired, rude, and don't leave a tip or much of one, right? Almost so little of one, you almost didn't want one, right? That that's a common theme in the restaurant industry. That is not a representation of Christ. That's the identity of somebody else. How about um, uh, being mean, grumpy, and sad? We feel like that sometimes. I'm not a morning person. 
I could stay up all night and live the nightlife. I could do it that way. I can't. I have to get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock every morning. I'm not a nice person at 4.30. Between 4.30 and 6 o'clock, that doesn't give me a right to be grumpy, sad, or mean. Don't ask too many questions at that time in the morning. Work with me. But I can't be, right? Sometimes we come to church, think about that, or go to work. We do not, we're not in the mood to be representatives of Christ. But that is our identity. And so we have to exercise that. Praise the Lord. Everybody happy? Nobody's going to be grumpy now. So number four, we have five and we'll be done. Surround ourselves with people of like identity or pursuing the same thing. All right? Think about the story of Mylon Lefevre. I mean, he's, he's a tale of what two different identities can look like. Who did he surround himself with in the earlier days? The rockers, the druggies, so on and so forth. That was his identity. I mean, when you said Mylon Lefevre, you knew what came with that. You say, uh, you know, name, name any stars that are living on that side of the world. Uh, you kind of know what goes with that identity, the rocker identity. But then he got saved. And we know him today as... The minister of the a minister of the gospel, a powerhouse in the ministry of the Lord. His identity changed, but it went the right direction because he got, he got with the right people. But you look at people like Whitney Houston. I don't, you know, the stories, you, the documentaries, you can't believe all that stuff, but she was raised up in the church. You know, I think the story said it wasn't a great raising in the church, and that could be true. Nonetheless, probably one of the greatest voices in the modern era, right? I mean, every vocal, well, Nick's not, he'll correct me on all this, but she could go from A to Z and back to A quicker than you, you and I could go to A to B, right? I mean, just beautiful. When she did that national anthem, I almost went through the TV. I, don't, don't look at me funny. I still listen to it every now and then. Got to get you pumped up, right? Okay, never mind. <laughs> if I said, yeah. Miss Flo always being kind. Makes you feel good about yourself. So who do you spend time with and what do you talk about? Take inventory of that. You might have to cut back. You might have to add, add somewhere. Uh, that's going to help you get to the right identity. I'm not going to be around somebody, even a Christian, who can't talk faith. If they're talking about sickness, if they're talking about, well, God may heal you or not heal you, I'm going I'm to say my part because I love them and they're good people. But I'm not going to stick around and listen to that for too long. It's too much at stake. I can't kill my faith by being around the wrong people. And if I'm doing something, you can't. You don't want to hang around me if I'm, I'm displaying the wrong things. But this is a good group. We can hang around each other. All right, number five. And this is not a Christian saying because we like to be kind and happy and all that, and we're supposed to be, but fight and don't compromise. The fight, fight the good fight of faith. That doesn't feel your way through the good fight. You know, it doesn't, let's all feel good about this and kumbaya sometimes. When we're talking about spiritual things, identity theft from the devil himself or our identity in Christ, there's a fight. It's the fight of faith. It's not the fight of the flesh, but it's the fight of faith. And we need to be bold and crazy about it at times. Get an attitude, right? Do you want your children being knocked upside the head with the stuff the devil's throwing at them? Do you want sickness to kind of permeate through the house? Absolutely not. Strife, no. Every work of the enemy not coming in my house. Actually, we have a little funny little saying in our house. I say it all the time. When I hear something that is contrary to what God has provided for me, I just say, not in my house. 
and with an attitude. And I'll say it 20 times if I have to. I'm not going to entertain that. May be the case. There may be sickness going through the house. Not in my house. This is a healed household, and that's how it's going to be. Amen? I'll give Dina credit for it. Not me, but she has been, I mean, a soldier, brutal, about allowing strife or keeping strife out of the house. You bring strife into the house, you're going out with it. But that's such a key, right, to the identity of our family of faith. We can't have that. Praise the Lord. All right. So knowing your identity, we'll finish up here. Knowing our identity gets us through feelings, circumstances, offenses, which Brother Routon talked about this last week, opinions, and attacks. And the devil wants all of us in here to think that we're blind Bartimaeus. I'm deficient Jason, right? I said the wrong thing today. I'm not worthy. I thought the wrong thing. That's not who we are. That is not who we are. I'm right in God's sight because Jesus is my Lord. I'm healed because Jesus is my Lord. He's my banner. He represents me because he's my Lord. He provides for me. Praise the Lord, because he's my Lord. Amen. Amen. We were created with a perfect design and identity. All right? It was perfect. We may not have had periods of time where that perfection was in place, but it has now been perfected with Jesus. We didn't create this identity. He created it for us. But the thing that we, ha- we can do, we choose it or not. We choose it, not God. God didn't say, Brother Stu... You get, uh, you get the righteousness of God and Christ's identity, and the rest of the road doesn't tonight. I'm just picking and choosing. The rest of the road doesn't get it tonight. No, we're all born with that. We choose it or not. Praise the Lord. All right, well, everybody going to walk out of here and have a smile on their face and a bad attitude towards the devil at the same time. Can you do that? All right. <laughs>